Welcome and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Voice of Business podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Jacobson, and I'm joined today by Leanne Lagasse, co-owner of ROI Talent Development. Leanne, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Hi, Kyle. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, how about we start off with a brief introduction? I'm sure many of our listeners know about you and your business, but some may not. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and ROI Talent Development? Great. So my story is that I was once a really young and ambitious, also probably slightly naive faculty member at Texas Tech University You know, here in Lubbock. I was um, in the College of Media and Communication. And so pretty quickly, I think because I was ambitious and because I was demonstrating you know, level of competence kind of in those individual contributor roles, I was promoted pretty quickly to what is a really important role in the college. And that was, I was the public speaking course director. So everybody's favorite class yeah. <laughs> at Texas Tech. And um, so what that entails is that I was tasked with creating a program for over a thousand students a semester that would take my class. But that was sort of the easy part. That was where I felt like I was in the zone and my sweet spot. The hard part is that I was also tasked with, um, I had a staff of about 20 to 25 graduate teaching assistants and then instructors that were, it was just a revolving door. So they would come in and they would leave. And I was really young and I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I had, I was promoted to that position because I'd been successful in that individual contributor role, but suddenly I found myself trying to figure out how do I mobilize and train and develop all of these staff. And so there were a lot of tears. There were a lot of nights that I wasn't sleeping very well because I felt like I was failing. And I think if I had to sum up, you know, why it was not going well, it was probably because I was making so many of my leadership decisions based on reactivity, as opposed to from a place of evidence-based, you know, strategy. But once I really got my bearings and I started digging into the research around workplace culture and employee engagement, and then I think this is what made the difference for me was sort of marrying that with my communication expertise, I sort of hit my stride. And together with my former colleague, now business partner, so I guess she's still a colleague, but now she's my business partner. Her name is Joy Osteen. We really turned those programs around. And once we'd experienced that measure of success for ourselves, we started dreaming about starting a training and consulting company where we could help other leaders who might be struggling or might be feeling exactly how we did back then, you know, wondering how to equip their people. And so now um, I'm the co-owner with Joy of ROI Talent Development. And so we specialize in helping business owners and leaders reduce their turnover, improve their employee engagement. And we do that by equipping their managers because we believe that's the most strategic way to do that and to make those changes. Um, so we do a lot of communication training and workplace culture training and, um, love the work that we do, can't believe we get to do it, and love doing it in Lubbock. Very good. Well, at the Chamber, we obviously certainly appreciate the entrepreneurial spirit, and uh, you joked about everybody's favorite class being public speaking. I remember taking that as a sophomore at Tech, and I, I don't know if I'm a dynamic public speaker today, but I'm comfortable at least, And but I remember my very first speech. I mean, they asked for like two or three minutes, and like my hand was trembling, holding my notes. I, you know, obviously grew a lot, so it is an important class, even if you start out kind of uncomfortable in that setting. Um, anyway, we, we have some interesting topics to cover today, and I think this episode will be a slightly different flavor than some of our more um, 
government affairs and public policy focused episodes, but that's a good thing. I think we might be able to reach a different audience. Um, and so you brought some of these issues to our attention, and I think it's something our listeners will be curious to learn more about. And uh, when you first reached out to me, you mentioned that 2021 could be the year of turnover uh, based on several factors related to COVID-19, um, offices reopening, and maybe some other factors. So can you tell us a little bit more about the research and data that's come out uh, related to burnout, turnover, and employee well-being? Absolutely. So I think that if leaders want to navigate this, we're not post-COVID yet, right? And we don't even know what exactly that's going to look like in our workplaces. But we definitely, at least here in, in the Lubbock, the West Texas area, we're sort of seeing you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully we're kind of peaking a little bit. And so I think a lot of organizations that spent a lot of time worrying during COVID about their team members' health and how are we communicating and are we on the same page? And, you know, you hear you heard a lot of the messaging, like we're all in this together and all those great things. But what we have noticed is that there's a little bit of a decline in that intentionality that we saw back in March and April and maybe even early May of last year. And my call to any leader who's kind of tuned in and listening is this is not the time to backpedal out of any of those uh, kind of any of that intentionality or any of that engagement, because what the research is showing us right now is that, uh, well, first off, burnout levels rose by 33% in 2020, and we're still seeing some of that kind of burnout rising in early 2021. We also know that currently 76% of the workforce will tell you that they feel burned out most of the time, right? And so that's huge. If you're a leader, if you're a business owner, that is a big deal. Um, and the reason that's a big deal is because burnout is responsible for about 20 to 50% of turnover. And so when, when experts are saying, hey, we think that 2020 and then maybe even the beginning parts of 20, or sorry, 2021, and then maybe the beginning of 20. 22 is going to be a year of turnover. It's really in light of the data that we're seeing around burnout and employee well-being right now. So what's interesting is that employee engagement, which is sort of the metric that we often track, that's, a, that's something Joy and I are geeking out about on a regular basis. Um, employee engagement has really fluctuated in the last year in ways that are sort of inconsistent with how it's normally trended. So historically in the U.S., since we've been measuring employee engagement, it's been pretty low overall, you know, so like only 13% of the American workforce is like what we would call extremely engaged on a regular basis. So that number actually rose a little bit in 2020, which was really fascinating. But what was happening at the same time is that employee well-being was plummeting. And so normally employee well-being and engagement kind of trend together. And what has been fascinating and is, you know, there's a lot of brilliant minds out there trying to figure out what is going on is that employee engagement and well-being have sort of taken a, um, a detour from each other, if you will. And so employee um, well-being is very down. Um, especially with women, it's it's happening more with women than it is with men. We've seen more women exit the workforce than we have men, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but it seems to be affecting women more than it is men, especially mid-level managers and then senior executive level women. Uh, so employee engagement is kind of fluctuating. Employee well-being is really down, and burnout is really up. And so all of that is sort of this recipe for a lot of employee turnover. And so when I said at the very beginning here 
that the call to leaders is, hey, do not backpedal. <laughs> you need to stay as engaged as ever when it comes to caring for your employees, um, because what, what we're seeing is a trend towards a lot of turnover in, in the next year or so. It'll be interesting to see how that impact or how that happens here in Lubbock, because Lubbock has in general, a more stable economy than other places in the country. So I do think it's worth mentioning that, um, but it's, it's still gonna be really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, and that is interesting data, you know, that you brought up about how it impacts specifically women in certain positions, um, you know, because we all kind of went through the same thing, more or less, I mean, COVID and working from home and educating your kids at home kind of touched all of us, but um, it's always interesting to see, you know, when different age groups or industries or whatever, you know, wind up kind of being impacted differently. Um, so all that, like you said, kind of points to a, a high risk for added turnover over the next year. Um, and, and some might ask, well, why, why should anyone care? You know, turnover is normal to some extent and, you know, people just find new jobs and employers, uh, they fill those jobs. But it's not quite that simple and turnover, you know, especially at um, heightened rates can have a serious impact on places of business. So what would heavy turnover in 2021 mean for the bottom line of various businesses? Yeah, so employee turnover, the cost is so high and it's it, it, there's a high cost in tangible ways and there's a high cost in intangible ways too. So I'll, I want to talk about both of those because I think a lot of times leaders, you know, they're you're analytical, they're, they tend to be very numbers metrics minded. And so they're, they respond a lot to like real hard data around turnover costs. And they don't think a lot about what we um, kind of in the HR world and kind of in the you know business world, we call those intangible um, effects of uh, employee turnover or the cost per vacancy, if, if that makes sense. So what does it cost for us to not have a person in this role? Um, so in terms of sort of those financial metrics that really matter, you know, um, it's estimated that losing an employee on average costs about 1.5 to two times that employee's salary to replace them. Right. And that's a lot. I mean, when you start adding that up, you've got high turnover, that's a lot of expense. Um, and then sometimes people will say things like, well, we expect a lot of, we expect high turnover in maybe some of our entry level positions. Like maybe we're hiring a lot of Texas Tech students or LCU students. And so we kind of expect that. But again, our call would be, hey, don't, don't make it a norm that you have high turnover in those entry level positions because organizations can do a, you know, a lot with a little bit of initiative around turnover because even your hourly employees um, it costs an average of $1,500 per hourly employee to replace them. And again, you start adding that up. If you're losing a lot of hourly employees, I mean, that makes a big difference to your, to your bottom line. And then this and this, I'm going to read these so I don't mess them up. But for technical positions, the cost jumps to 100 to 150 um, percent of the, the person's salary. And then for those C-level, you know, C-suite executives, it's over 200% of their salary to replace them. And so whether you're talking about entry-level positions or your C-level executive positions, cost of turnover um, is, is going to dramatically affect you financially. But then sometimes the things that we like to talk about even more than those financial metrics are those intangibles, things like loss of knowledge and loss of productivity. And you've probably experienced that. Some you know, colleague leaves and then you go, oh my goodness, we are so slow right now because it's taking time to train. It's taking time to get everybody on the same page. Um, so that's a really big deal. Um, you also see loss of morale and the loss of perception of, of a positive workplace climate or culture. Um, if you think about it, once one person leaves in your team, then everybody kind of has that moment of going, huh, that's interesting why they left. 
you know, why they might choose to go somewhere else. Hey, maybe I kind of want to go somewhere else, you know, so there's also this uh, kind of emotional contagion effect that can happen when people leave. You also think about what it does to your employer brand. And that is huge in a big little town like Texas. I mean, like Lubbock, right? That if you start experiencing high levels of turnover and people start talking about moving jobs, it, it communicates something about your organization. So there's tangible and intangible ways that turnover negatively affects uh, your bottom line. Right. And so, you know, I think after hearing that, a lot of um, hiring managers or businesses would be a little bit frightened at the prospect of high turnover over the next year, you know, given all the other adjustments um, that COVID has brought and, you know, the reopening process will bring. Um, so they're going to want to know how can we prevent this from happening? So can you tell our listeners about maybe a few different strategies or mechanisms that employers might be able to use to mitigate the potential impacts of high turnover? Absolutely. So I want to share two that I think are sort of overarching themes that would be you know, true all the time, no matter what, whether we're in a global pandemic or not. And then the third one is also, I think, universally true, but I think it's especially true during COVID. And so the first one is that we know 70% of the variance for employee engagement is the manager alone. So earlier when I told you you know, our specialty is really equipping managers and hey, we were struggling managers when we were young because we've not been equipped what the research shows is that, you know, 70% of that variance is determined by how good a person feels their manager is. And so the first strategy is now is the time to really invest in upskilling and the and really learning and development around manager competencies for, for your mid-level managers in particular. A lot of C, those C-level executives, they've gone through a lot of leadership equipping or maybe they're older and so they've got a lot more experience, but a lot of those mid-level managers are the ones, I mean, they cause the bottleneck sometimes in the company culture, but they can really contribute to the thriving and flourishing of so many in the workforce if you invest in them. So that's kind of the first strategy and, and there's a lot to say there, but um, it's equipping managers, like invest going all in on a manager equipping. Second thing is creating, a, and it's similar to this, is creating a high development culture. So what we know about millennial employees and then now the Gen Z employees who are rapidly entering the workforce is that one defining characteristic of them is that they crave learning and development opportunities in their workplaces. In fact, they will tell you it's even more important than salary and benefits, which sometimes to our older clients is like, what? That seems, that seems so strange to me. But millennials and Gen Z employees, it's the only factor of retention that differentiates them from other generations. And so especially if you're thinking about retaining your younger employees, and we say younger, like most people don't realize millennials right now are, you know, 41, 42 is kind of that top range of millennials. Um, but if you're interested in, you know, retaining them and, and really reducing turnover, leaning into their learning and development is going to be crucial. Um, and then the third thing I would say, which has been something that we've noticed more as we've been working with our clients and our students is um, that it seems to be that our employees really are craving um, empathy and curiosity from their leaders about their total self, right? So it isn't just about what I do at work and then my home life, that there is this pu push and this sense in our employees that we want work-life integration and I want my boss, I want my organization to care about my financial well-being. I want them to communicate that they care about my physical well-being and that they care about my relational health and well-being. And so that's what I would say is lean into 
empathy and curiosity as it relates to your employees. Take some of the research that if you've listened you know, to this podcast, take some of it back to your team and say, hey, I, I heard these stats today. I'm curious, how is this impacting you? Are you feeling this way? And you'll be shocked at the kind of productive conversations you have and what you're communicating to your people. Yeah, very good. Well, it's obviously been a strange past, uh, I guess, 13 months now, and, you know, we could be headed for some interesting times ahead. So, uh, Liam, we, we thank you so much for bringing this issue to our attention and for joining us today so that we can have a great discussion for our members and the public at large. Uh, and, and thank you for what you do and keep up the great work. Thanks so much for having me, Kyle. I had a really great time. Absolutely. Well, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Voice of Business podcast. You can, su- you can subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, and we look forward to talking to you again next week.